Welcome to Do's Talk. This is where we discuss news and history from Armenia, Azerbaijan, Turkey, and the wider region from an honest, critical, and historically comprehensive perspective. We challenge issues that are ignored, abused, and manipulated by nationalist narratives. This is the place where we say, Let's sit a few, speak straight. Eğri oturalım, düzgün konuşalım. Ari tsurunestenk, duzukhosenk. Gelin ey oturak, düzdanışak. The first topic I want to discuss, it's been a very hot topic in Armenia for the last couple of days. I don't know if you have heard about it. If you haven't heard about it, I will fill you in about it. But apparently, and usually I would dismiss this kind of news because there's a lot of fake, false, overblown news coming from Armenia. But the videos I've seen and the reports I've heard seem to be pretty valid as to what has happened. It seems that Azerbaijani troops have crossed into the Armenian border. This happened at a lake called Sevlich. Sev Lich actually means lake, so it means black lake, Sevlich. It's a very yeah, small is, lake. Uh, and, um, you know. This is a translation of Azer- from Azerbaijani name. Oh, so you, you're saying there's Karagir. an Azerbaijani version of the name of that lake? Yes, like when I type Garajo on Google Maps, it uh-huh. immediately takes me to the okay. to, to that savage got it so both both communities seem to agree that that's black lake so let's call it an english black mm-hmm. lake now yeah um when i first heard the news just like many of these i had to you know go as you said go to google maps and once again we discover that there are illogical and crazy borders <laughs> that cut through a lake for no reason you know it's they say 30% although on maps it doesn't even look like 30% it looks to me like 20% but the border the border that most software online seems to indicate and we're assuming this is based on some kind of official soviet map i don't know seems to indicate that yeah the border cuts through that lake okay so the lake seems to be on a highland and one section of it the northern section is azerbaijan the majority of it the southern section is armenia and the news reports the videos that came out is that azerbaijani soldiers have surrounded the entire lake in its entirety north south east and west they were pro- they were progressing further south to even reach the road that comes from the south from the rest of armenia to that lake so they had actually reached that road they were saying um, the numbers that I've seen is something like three kilometers, three point something kilometers. I, uh, that, that's a lot. That is a lot, actually. Yeah, I don't. That's, I'm, I'm. That's really scary if it's three kilometers, but I don't even know that's yeah. that to be accurate. But but if anything, it seems pretty obvious that the border was violated there. Now I am not so much pissed about the border violating. I mean that is pretty infuriating. That border was violated, but people make mistakes. I'm willing to grant that. What is most infuriating is when some of these shepherds and some other people who came when you know they got news of this happening and approached these soldiers. They approached them and said, "You know, you're you're in our territory." These soldiers said, "You need to get back from us." Uh, very often, in many of these situations, they make threats about we'll bomb you, we'll bring drones, get away from us, don't even come close to us. We have nothing to discuss with you. 
We have nothing to discuss with you. Get the hell back. And so that's the attitude again that these Azerbaijani soldiers take. That was has often happened with the conflicting, you know, border points between Armenia and Azerbaijan, or what is left of a mountainous Karabakh and Azerbaijan. And so that's what's most infuriating to me that Azerbaijan feels emboldened. The soldiers feel emboldened to the point of not even wanting to discuss anything. We we will decide where the border is. Here's our map. We decide. You stay away. You have no say in this whatsoever. That's what I find most infuriating. But I want to hear from your perspective. I want to hear what you have heard about this news. And then after what you have heard, I want to hear what are your thoughts on it. Uh, well, uh, first of all, let's uh, let's clarify that no one here is informed about this e- event. This is the first thing. And the second thing is uh, all of our me- media, I mean uh, the official media, uh, now is like they are completely silent. So they, they don't talk about it. They, they don't discuss it and they don't in, inform us. So uh, here I, I personally uh, got the information from like some kind of opposition uh, or so-called free uh, media outlets. And uh, they were talking about, they were like, uh, they also took information mostly from the Armenian side and about that as Azerbaijan soldiers crossed the border and they march uh, towards um, Armenian town, uh, go, go east, like in, in this di- direction. And, uh, and they've also like went quite a lot. So like approximately 3.5 kilometers, as, as you said. Uh, my personal, like not only my personal, but this generally accepted, um, let's say, uh, speculation, like assumptions that uh, one reason can be that the recent, uh, like, statement from Aliyev that if our Armenia that does not give a corridor linking Azerbaijan, like mainland Azerbaijan, to Nakhchivan or autonomous region, we are going to take it by force. So, like, if Armenia does Who not has been it, saying this? Who has been saying Aliyev? Yep, yes. Uh, so, that was a statement. Wow. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> that was a statement. What What does that mean? So, how do you take it by force? Invasion? I think so. Like you're crossing the country, like and and um, and another art article I've read read about, and and it may mention a very interesting point that this um, this place, you know, the 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 location of this lake. Is in the uh, somehow in the north of Sunik Pro- province, right? Like north, north, yeah. northeast. Yeah, east. Like yeah, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and and this place is a narrow, narrow, narrowest place, like 
in Ar Armenia. So this is the closest yes. place. This is the closest uh, distance from Azerbaijan. Yeah, okay. So Azerbaijan, Turnan, Turnan, or autonomous region. So this is, uh, that's a very good place to cut our, our Armenia into two pieces and just, yeah, just make it like a core, core and take and take this corridor by, by force. Of course, this kind of corridor is not going to survive. And we cannot say that Azerbaijan is going to do this because that, that would like, that would be, I don't know, really, um, like very big move. They were who is, who is saying that this is, who is saying that this is theoretically why this is being done? Who's, who's projecting this kind of strategy? Where did you hear this? You mean uh, cutting Armenia into two pieces? No, yeah, that this is the narrowest portion and this, uh, this might be... Uh, well, sometimes uh, I, didn't, I don't remember his name, but yeah. Political analyst is saying that um, that this might be a strategy to forcibly create a corridor because this is the narrowest gap. Um and so this is why they're doing that's a very scary thoughts that's a very scary suggestion and um i heard a political analyst on the armenian side saying something interesting too that they are coming forward from the lake to establish positions because it's a perfect position to monitor the only main road there the only road honestly i'm looking at the map right now it's the only road that comes from Yerevan to Goris. So if they come forward from the lake a little bit, they have a perfect viewing position of all the traffic that's going from Yerevan to Goris. And the pol political analyst was saying that that might be the strategy there to establish control over that road whenever it need to, to you know attack it or snipe it or whatever, uh, using that um, lucrative position on, on top of the hill there. Yeah, so that's what and, I heard as and, well. And also, in my personal opinion, Azerbaijan also is very, very, very much like to like very much in, interested to take as many like lakes, uh, resources yeah, yeah. of drinkable water. I understand the water as, concern. Yeah, yeah. I've had, also, I've had many conversations this, this about the water. Reason. This is also yeah. That's the thing. But, but um, understanding the water thing again. What we're talking about is not getting the equal or fair share of the lake's reserves here. We're no, talking about <laughs> Take it yeah, the whole lake, exactly. Yeah. Which is, again, a violation of the borders of the Republic of Armenia. And until this point, we've always had the discussion, and I think we both agreed to this, that Russia is very hesitant to get involved in using the CSTO mechanisms because... All the CSTO guarantees is the Republic of Armenia territory. It doesn't guarantee anything to do with Artsakh or mountainous Karabakh or Nagorno-Karabakh or whatever. Um, but at this point, I mean, if this is happening and Armenia's territory, Armenia proper, the Republic of Armenia, is losing territory, there is no way for the CSTO not to get involved. So how could Azerbaijan risk such a thing? How could Azerbaijan risk getting the CSTO mechanism involved 
by invading the territory of the Republic of Armenia and just do it so boldly without any concern about it? Well, I, well, I think uh, that's because R- R- Russia and Azerbaijan are in their terms than Russia and Ar- Armenia. Uh, that's, that's, has, like, that's been visible for the last a, uh, more than a year, even before the war. So, like, uh, Armenian, Armenia's ambitions about, for example, the closer uh, relations with NATO and like Western countries and so on, it's generally believed that has provoked Russia and it made Russia like much more hesitant and like uh, like it put Russia in a much like colder terms with our our so and uh, today also. Uh, there is a general feeling of coldness, as I already mentioned, like between the two states and two pe- peoples. So, um, and also we should take into account that the so-called Odekabe, I have no idea how to call it in, in, in English, this organization is, unlike NATO, it's much more political one. So, for example, Azerbaijan has much better and much like deeper relations with. Uh, uh, so you're saying Azerbaijan has better relations with the other members of the CSTO. Exactly. Than... Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> so um, e- even if if we exclude Ra- Russia from this or collective security organization. Azerbaijan still has much, much better relations with Belarus, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, you know. Yeah, and uh, Azerbaijan is like more uh, like oriented towards post-Soviet space than uh, our Armenian political um, establishment. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's orientation at all. I don't think it's about orientation, but it is more about usefulness. And yes, Azerbaijan is more useful to many of these former Soviet republics. Um, of course, with many of the republics, there's also that Turkic ethnic kinship thing in the background. Useful in terms of what? Azerbaijan is useful, useful in terms of uh, trade, resources, contacts, military contacts, economic contacts, all of that. More useful. Well, um, yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll have to like break it down one by one. But for example, if we're talking about something like Belarus, right? Yes. For Belarus, there is no ethnic ties like some of the Central Asian countries. It's not a Turkic mm-hmm. ethnic tie kind of a thing. But there are very lucrative deals going on between Belarus and Azerbaijan. They see kinship in each other by having, you know, two dictatorial regimes. Yeah, yeah. right. That's that's also very useful because they're both they're both afraid of losing their position. So seeing another nation that has a very similar situation, mentioned it very correctly. That's right. All of that. So Belarus, you know, uh, sees more uh, kinship. Let's call it between Azerbaijan and itself as the way it exists today than Armenia and itself. And, uh, um, 
yes, uh, our Armenia is seen to be like, and that's just one member, which, right? All the uh, other members are Turkic uh, countries. So, yeah, so Kazakhstan uh, and Kyrgyzstan and all these countries, of course, I they're going like to, to be. I would to your comment that our, our Armenia is seen to be a country which sucks stuff for free. You know, like oh, interesting. Crazy. From like, whom? From Russia? Yeah, from Russia. From Belarus. well, why do they care? It's from Russia. It's not from their country. The thing is, like uh, today, is from Russia, and potentially Armenia can get, like for example, guns and stuff like that, tanks and so on, for free from other collective security treaty organizations too. But this is, I think, they are also scared of that. What did they want Armenia to offer? I'm just wondering. I mean, before I've heard talk, and I don't know, it's not very realistic, but many of these countries kind of appreciate, for example, the Armenian diaspora and the influence and power that might have. And so they were thinking, including Armenia, might bring that benefit. That's mostly in the Western countries, such as in France. Sure. France. France today is the most Armenophilic country on earth. Like they are very, yes. they, they are. No, they no are doubt. I mean, Macron is tweeting in Armenian. I mean, of course, <laughs> the guy is like yeah. fully tweeting in the Armenian language and sending all these, you well, know, other even Turkish politicians tweeted in Armenian language. That's true. That's true. Erdogan has a tweet in Armenian. That's correct. And right that, that used to be a very scandalous event here. And Was that, it? <laughs> yes. Uh, this is uh, before the war, before all this like support from Erdogan, which was coming to us during the war. Uh, that tweet was like was everywhere in as Azerbaijani. Uh, Pages and so on, and that that used to be a, like a black propaganda against, like he's not, uh, like a real, uh, like real lead, leader of Turkic world, and our countries cannot be closed. Yeah, let's hold other. off on that. That's a different topic. It's a good topic. So I would like so to talk course. about that. Yeah. but I yeah, that's, that's very interesting that you're saying that. Um, but returning to, okay, so France was a good example, right? So would not France be friendlier with Russia and all the members of the Collective Security Treaty Organization, the CSTO, and even the Eurasian Union, right, which is kind of an economic um, uh, layer to the CSTO, if you yeah, call it that. Yeah, just paper and everything. Sure. So would not that be useful for making France friendlier? To that sphere, um, I mean that's that's a benefit you get by including Armenia in your sphere, don't you think that something like that kind of makes um, Armenia not a leech, as you're saying, but something that is being offered from Armenia itself to these countries? Don't you think something like that exists? Uh, well, um, Armenia can offer stuff, some kind of things to these countries. Well, um, for sure it can, and it has some stuff to do, like to all offer to Kazakhstan, Belarus, and so on. But as you also mentioned, possibly that's not as much as like 
Azerbaijan has re resources. So Armenia right. uh, is, is not as large, it's not as rich. Um, Got it. But if this yeah. all of this was true, why did they accept Armenia in the first place is my question. Why did they even bother putting Armenia in the CSTO? And right now, if they fail to provide any kind of support to Armenia through the mechanisms of CSTO, then is not the CSTO completely meaningless and useless? You let a country, a member country, out into the wind by itself. And so that's indicative of how meaningless this organization is because they're never willing to do anything either. It's just on paper, they want something to oppose NATO. And so they put this on paper that, oh, we're an organization and that is not NATO. Um, but it's meaningless when they don't back any of their member countries up at all, especially in dire situations where the, the borders and the internationally recognized sovereign territory is being violated. Well, uh, the thing is, CSTO, so-called Olukabe, is cre created against NATO in its first place. So, um, like stuff like stuff like that, uh, Azerbaijan attacking Armenia as a, as a CSTO member state, uh, which uh, subsequently should provoke. Um, let's say a very harsh uh, reaction, specifically from Ra Ra Russia and also from other, you know, CSTO may member state. That's not true, as we see it right now. So, like CSTO's like uh, main reason why that, that was created is first of all because of NATO. And Azerbaijan is, is not a NATO member state. Uh, Azerbaijan is a very friendly country with all the CSTO may, may member states. That's the first place. But Azerbaijan and, uh, is and also, also very... And, Go ahead, finish I, and I'll Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. And I also would like to mention a very important thing that uh, now, today, in Russian society, a lot of people saying that Armenia should be kicked out of this organization because Armenia asking way too much. Armenia is like way too paranoid. And also, and uh, people in Russia are also very, very unwilling to fight uh, for our Armenia. So they don't want that. They don't want to fight on a foreign soil. Be it in Armenia, be it in Azerbaijan, or in any kind of like state, and that—that's of course a true reflection of ongoing conflict in Eastern Ukraine and so on. And like uh, as I may mention in the beginning of our discussion, that the relations between Armenia and Russia. Not only on the political level, they get colder and colder each day. So, like people in Armenia get like the increasingly, let's say, doubtful of Russia and its like protective shield in Armenia, and they uh, they start to think about Russia as a increasingly a blood sucking nation which like 
which uh, does does not let our Armenia to be independent. To like and while offering not so much in return, as opposed to as opposed to relations between Russia and Belarus. I don't understand the idea that Armenia is asking too much when the name of the organization is collect. So. Well, I, yeah, but I, the name of the organization is Collective Security Treaty Organization. So when security is in danger, then that again, that's what the organization exists as I've said, as for. I've, as I've said, this or or as a very highly political one, a very politicized one, instead of like, as, as opposed to NATO, which is a highly uh, a military and real security organization. So if we compare uh, CSTO to NATO, CSTO is a disproportionately more politicized organization. That's all. To me, that that language sounds like it's symbolic. Then it's a symbolic organization and it not is. an actual one. Well, uh, it is, you would say. Okay. Uh, well, uh, not completely, but like in comparison to NATO, yes, this is a very uh, wow. symbolic thing. Yes. This this should have been made clear long ago, <laughs> and if this was the case, then no, I don't I, think I Armenia would have joined. I am. I'm not saying that today, if Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan like attacks Armenia in a full-scale war, Russia is not gonna give a shit. No, Russian reaction will 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 come, of course. But like, uh, Russia is very hesitant to react to some kind of a border, let's say, in incident. Um, yeah. Like in, in in a very quick way, and 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 yeah, they and, and and they act actually uh, reacted all all so like Pashinyan officially asked help. Uh, correct. Pashinyan asked help from the CSTO. That's absolutely correct. What is going to be the response of the specifically, CSTO? Then? Specifically from Russian pre- president. Vladimir Putin rather than CSTO. So CSTO came like not first, but like subsequently. And uh-huh. and R- 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 Russian president, you know, like in our country, especially in Russia and in Azerbaijan, uh, like everything is mostly dictated by one person. Okay. So in Azerbaijan, Everything, or almost every everything, is dictated by our president. In in Russia, this is the same situation. This is the same situation. So like, Pashinyan knows that, and there is no like he he has, uh, like he un- understands that it's it's meaningless to ask collective security organization, treaty organization, some kind of help because it's directly tied to. Uh, Vladimir Putin. So it, it makes more sense to ask him first, like personally, uh, like ask help from him. Okay, so this is this is a very personality centric centric 
like uh, but if anything wouldn't they want to keep up wouldn't they want to keep up the image of the siesta even if it is a mostly symbolic institution wouldn't they want to keep up the image of it as you know it's a functioning thing and we're going through its mechanisms instead of as you said making it some kind of a personal request from Vladimir Putin you know, himself. The thing is, like, we are, we are in a, as I mentioned already, we are in a post-Soviet space, and everything here is directly tied to your personal links rather than some kind of, let's say, uh, official or, or organizations. They, they, they mostly exist on Paper. We understand and, that, but does it have to be so overt, right? Does it have to be so overtly personal, as you said, with Pashinyan um, directly requesting from Putin and then everyone reporting on it that that's how it happened instead you know, of just doing I it kind of like in a backdoor situation? Yeah, go I ahead. understand that uh, from like American perspective, it seems for you a very unusual thing. But from here, it seems a very extremely like a, a very normal event that let's say our uh-huh. president goes to Vladimir Putin and he discuss they 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 two together discuss some kind of stuff and they reach some kind of ag- agreement which is un- unofficial. So this this is not like laid on paper and it's not signed and so on and so forth but this is purely based on their personal links okay yeah and also i'd like to mention that for the past like six seven years russia got weakened a lot so after 2014 or after all these sanctions and annexation of crimea War on Eastern Ukraine and so on and so forth. Russia got really, really weak, and of course, if Russia gets weaker, that means the all the organizations created by Russia, including this collective security treaty or organization, are also getting like loose, more and more loose. Uh, that. Includes so-called custom union, uh, Eurasian Economic Union, which is now like, uh, like, like it, it still exists, but like uh, there are a lot of threats that this is not. They are not gonna. These or organizations are. This organization's existence is in doubt for like for the current coming uh time okay so uh now now today we see a lot of friction between like russia and belarus or russia and kazakhstan and even we used to like see kind of like the satisfaction of russia because of like um well, well, better revolution in our Armenia. So all these events uh, weaken this uh, in integration uh, pro, pro, pro projects. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So we've had a good discussion so far. I still haven't gotten to that 
recent news from last night. Let's do that and kind of wrap it up. Mm-hmm. The the news again was about the the border issue, the border crossing by Azerbaijani troops. The headline, and I'm reading this from uh, news.am. <clears throat> U.S. demands withdrawal of Azerbaijani troops from Armenian border. The U.S. State Department has called on Azerbaijan to withdraw its troops from the border with Armenia amid growing tensions between the two countries, State Department reported. The criticism came after the Biden administration approved U.S. military aid to Azerbaijan. I don't think that's relevant here. Um, The quote goes, We're closely monitoring the situation along the demarked border between Armenia and Azerbaijan, she noted. Military movements in disputed territories are irresponsible, and they're also unnecessarily provocative. And of course, we've seen the reports of some withdrawal and would welcome that if confirmed, but we expect that Azerbaijan to pull back all forces immediately and cease further provocation, she added. We've also urged both sides to approach demarcation issues through discussion as well as negotiation. And by she, we mean here uh, Jelena Porter, the State Department spokeswoman. So what are your comments about the United States making such a bold and official declaration from the State Department about it? You know, uh, on, one, on one hand, like the United States it ought to kind of react to the events uh, in in our region and not only in our region but gen- generally. But on the other hand, uh, from specifically from Azerbaijani point of view, like this reaction from the United States seems to be a bit like uh, I don't want to like use some harsh words, but like too haste because like at the Typical uh, Azerbaijani would think that, you know, our country was all occupied by Armenia for almost 30 years, three decades. And your reaction was not that harsh. (laughs) So, like, you were, you were, you were not giving much shit about it, right? And actually, the United States was giving, like, every harsh uh, reactions. Against our, our media, but um, uh, this so-called like calls for the occupation and withdrawal of our Armenian troops from the seven uh, adjacent re- regions and so on, uh, all of all of that were e- ignored by our media, and uh, you know at the end we also got like section nine or seven. Which blocked aid to our country and stuff like this. So like, they were giving aid to our our right? Like they were giving a lot of stuff to Armenia, but we were not receiving anything. Okay, that, that that's not our dis- discussion topic. Uh, my opinion, like my opinion, is that the United States reaction came very fast, very fast. This is a bit uh from. Azerbaijani point of view, a bit disappointing. So, like, if United States values our country so much, it should kind of like delay the reaction until the situation got really uh, like wild and so on and so forth. Mm. And also, 
we should take into account that the United States has almost no say in the uh, resolution of Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. So, like, the uh, United States and France, they are being, uh, they are, they are, they are being kept outside of the negotiation uh, process. So here's what I would add. First of all, this has actually, believe it or not, nothing to do with the settlement and issues relating to Nagorno or mountainous Karabakh. This is an issue between the official borders of the Republic of Armenia and Azerbaijan. What I would remind also, it should be very reminded here, it should be reminded that it was Armenia that withdrew from these territories willingly so that now there are Azerbaijanis on these territories. We have this border issue because Armenia withdrew willingly, right? Willingly from these territories. This is the region we're talking about. This Black Lake is what would be constituted as Kelbajar. It seems to be like the very part southern it, yeah. end. Yeah, the southern, uh, very southern I, western no, tip no, of. Not Kelbajar, no. It's, it's part of La Chile region. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That that border is always confusing to me where Kelbajar ends and Lachin begins. But okay, we'll grant Kelbajar that. Kelbajar is further north. You know, further north. north yeah. Further north. Right. Yeah. Got it. But nonetheless, the point is that Armenia willingly withdrew and agreed that we should now return to quote unquote internationally recognized borders. If Armenia willingly did this, right, this this already is a sign of goodwill, a sign of accepting that, as you said, the occupation that existed is no longer acceptable and tenable, and Armenia agrees that yeah, it will Armenia, not pursue Armenia this. Armenia did not restore its troops willingly. Come on. <laughs> it, it at the, the, at it the point the of, war. sure, at the point of a gun, but nonetheless, it could have continued the war. It did not. Well, uh, Armenia, if 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 the war was continued like a week or, or two, Armenia would be left without any R R like none, you know. Well, <laughs> that's disputable, and I don't I don't necessarily want to dig into that conversation. Not, that's disputable. All I'm um, saying is. All I'm saying is Armenia agreeing to withdraw from these territories should mean something. It should be meaningful. It should set the tone for a new type of relationship, a new type of communication between the Republic of Armenia and Azerbaijan. And it seems like we're not getting anything new. As you mentioned in the Azerbaijani mindset, we're still continuing the issues of the occupation and the Karabakh war. We are getting now the revenge attitudes, which Armenians always feared. They were always afraid of giving up anything because they viewed Azerbaijan as not a, um, a kind actor that would stay true to any agreements and would probably violate more of Armenian territory. We often speak of the domino theory that they say if Nagorno-Karabakh falls, Zangezur will fall, then Yerevan will fall. Yeah, and so they if, use this like uh, scary tales today a lot. Sure, sure. And before this issue, we I often criticized the news that was being reported in Armenia because they would say, oh, they entered Sunik proper. 
when in when in reality all that happened was they reestablished the recognized borders. For example, the road that leads from Goris to Kapan, they often would, you know, talk about, oh, they gave up our road. That's part of Sunik. When in reality, it wasn't part of Sunik, even in Soviet times. Um, parts of that road did cross the border. There, you know, that's just how the border existed. It's always existed as that way. So that would get falsely reported. But again. Now we have actually rep correct reporting. Now we have reporting that actually did take place. And uh, what baffles me is why Azerbaijan does not consider the repercussions of that. If before Armenians were causing all this panic about losing territory and Azerbaijan was dismissing it as, no, we're only reestablishing our recognized borders, now they are not reestablishing recognized borders, but they're actually progressing past recognized borders and therefore partaking in an invasion of their own, which is just a different thing. It's a very different thing than what was going on before. Yeah, And, and my question is, why isn't Azerbaijan account for this? Why doesn't Azerbaijan uh, consider the fact that its claims of only reestablishing its own borders and having no appetite for territories of Armenia proper, now that that claim is falsified. Now that claim is being shown as hollow and that Azerbaijan does have an appetite for borders, uh, for territories within Armenian borders. Uh, yeah, okay. Let's not, let's not be so, I mean, like past about claiming Azerbaijan having uh, appetite toward like Towards our, our Armenian soil, I don't uh, de de deny that a lot of people have some such kind of appetite. But the thing is, um, there is on ongoing issue about design design desert corridors, right? And this is a, there there are a lot of disagreements regarding that, and our Armenia seems to be not so willing to give Azerbaijan such a cor corridor, I mean, such a passage. So well, I why would they, when Azerbaijan has been such a harmful actor, Azerbaijan is still holding hostages in Baku. Azerbaijan is enforcing border disputes by threats of bombing civilians and people. Why would Armenia feel comfortable about reestablishing any corridor through its territory when Azerbaijan is not showing any kind of peaceful or new attitude in the post-war era? Well, I understand what, what you mean. Um, but like Armenia like has a sig signature, you know, on this piece of paper from like November 9th ag uh, agreement and this time in that agreement like it's it's like supposed to give us a better on such a passage right that's the thing and um, about like keeping Armenian um, war like uh, like cap captives here in Baku uh, this issue is really like kind of like uh, on the sh shadow like we don't understand we can't understand the reason why they are being taken here like for so long you know in the official Azerbaijan position is it, it it's it said that you know these people are taken after the war have 
ended and they were so-called gorilla forces in the mountains region of Nagorno-Karabakh and they were attacking our soldiers, even some of our soldiers dead, is that true? And uh, this is why I I am sure they are doing to these uh, captives uh, in like here, you know, in Baku reasons. Possibly they are being tortured to get some information from them and so on and so forth. So they are they are used in like political. Uh, they are used in military goals like. They are forced to give some kind of military secrets and so on and so forth. I believe so. Uh, and another reason why, like Azerbaijan today, um, uh, has crossed the border of our Republic of our Armenia, I think, is directly linked to the Zangezer Corridor. So, like. Basically, Aliyev start wants to kind of not provoke, but like force Armenia to give that passage, uh, while while Armenia like not demanding um, anything from us that's, Azerbaijan. That's exactly my point, though. If that's the goal, that's actually counterproductive. <laughs> It's counterproductive because now you make Azerbaijan seem even less trustworthy. You give even more reason not to open the corridor by these border uh, intrusions. You know, that's my main point. It's counterproductive. I'm just really surprised that uh, Azerbaijanis don't understand this, at least the leadership. I understand the people are just emotional and they're pissed and all that. But the leadership doesn't understand that if we don't allow Armenians to become comfortable with the idea of Azerbaijanis having a corridor, being able to, you know, drive through the territory of the Republic of Armenia with, you know, with the population of Armenia being comfortable with that. If we don't have that, violating the border makes that less likely. Violating the border makes Armenians even less uncomfortable with that idea and making that a reality even less likely. That's what's baffling to me. I don't understand why uh, the leadership in Azerbaijan doesn't understand that. Um, if you have nothing further to say, I just wanted to say one more thing. About the, uh, about the, the prisoners, the hostages held in Baku, if... If they are being held in such a political, you know, kind of usefulness uh, mentality, I heard some suggestion. I forgot where I heard it, but it seems like this would be a rational thing to do. Would it not then, if, if the claim is they violated the border of Azerbaijan after the war, therefore it's fair game to get them, wouldn't that also be true for these people, these soldiers that violated the territory of Armenia? should not have Armenia dispatched hundreds of its soldiers and taken these people as hostage, just as Azerbaijan did with the um, the political prisoners, uh, not the political, sorry, the prisoners that are being currently held when they were taken in one of the regions of Hadrut, uh, the Hintaget or whatever region. Um, wouldn't it be, then wouldn't it be rational for Armenia to do the very same thing 
take prisoners of these soldiers near the lake and then maybe at some point negotiate some kind of a trade. It seems like that's the environment that is being set. Once again, we have you know these completely opposed poles and we have to have hostages to exchange with them. Nothing is done through willing negotiation and through peaceful kind of uh, perspectives of the future. It's just back to back to what we had before. So, how do you feel about that idea? Doesn't it doesn't it seem like it would have been rational for Armenians to have taken these people as so as uh, as prisoners, just as Azerbaijan did to the Armenians in one of the regions of Hadrut? Well. Um... That would provoke, of course, like even more uh, confrontation between Azerbaijan and Armenia. And for sure, Armenia is very much scared of doing so. Well, and that will be fair or not. This is uh, this is a discussion. Let's say uh, I have no idea. Like, like from like from from the. Surface, we can say, yeah, okay, Azerbaijan is a taking hostages in uh, in Nagorno uh, Karabakh after the war, after after the end of the war, and Armenia can do the same today in, in order to return these people. Uh, from the surface, it looks so, but like uh, I would say, it would like make confrontation today even like even more. So uh, the if, they, the re- recent events about like Azerbaijan crossing border of Armenia, it really seems to be uh, like sad. Like after the war, the two countries put some kind of you know, open of the borders between the two, and even Turkish our, our Armenian border could be all open. Maybe not as fast as now, but like in like uh, not not in a very distant future, you know. But these events, of course, make all of that. As you said, it makes everything harder, harder, more complicated, and also, as you said, as you mentioned correctly, a very counterproductive. Still, we don't know the real reason. Why it has happened? Why Azerbaijan? Like, what specific reason it crossed the border? But it really seems to just force Armenia again to open, to give passage to Azerbaijan. And of course, this uh, passage will be equal to uh, Aliyev like rising support here. People, people even uh, will support Aliyev. Here more, and he he's gonna use it in in, in his internally political uh, campaign. I just want to reiterate again: if you're saying that the border incursion is to force Armenia to open the corridor, that logically speaking makes no sense, and I don't understand how Azerbaijan could see it that way. Because logically, it makes no sense. Doing this does not make the corridor opening more likely. It makes it less likely. So I don't understand how you keep saying that, that this might have had to do with opening the corridor when it doesn't. 
It can't. Well, it doesn't make it more likely. Other than that, we don't have all other like logical reason to say. If, if you have like a, like wild example, like cross border into our our, our our in European, do you think Azerbaijan would like to get some portion of our our by force? So like to react. Some proportion of our Armenia. Yeah, so? small segments at this point. I I would say yes, yeah, small segments like this lake, which the border runs through. Which, as we said, is just one of the many absurdities of the borders of of Soviet Armenia and Soviet Azerbaijan. Um, they would don't want a small segment of the lake. They would like the entirety of the lake. I think uh, that's what Azerbaijan is trying to do. It's trying to establish a position where it gets the entire lake and, you know, and um, according to its maps, right? They, they, they say that the Azerbaijani sh soldiers showed up with some maps from the 70s, unaccepted maps, unofficial maps, but maps mm -hmm. where this lake and some of its territory is shown within Azerbaijan proper. And they didn't want to negotiate at all. They have nothing to negotiate. They say, our maps say this is in our territory, period. Therefore, it must be in our territory. That's the problem yeah. with the, the process that is, has come about after the, the war. The, the process is, after the war has been just showing up with whatever map and yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. this map here says the border see. should be here. Therefore, it's going to be here. And Azerbaijan is saying that no negotiations. We have the power. We won the war. So it will be our side getting its way okay. and no other side can get its way. Let me speak. Let me you can speak. speak. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you know, uh, if Azerbaijan wanted just, just, just like to have a control uh, to the lake, you know, the, the whole, whole lake, you know, in that case, Azerbaijan would, would not go so deep into it. You know, like we they have kilometers it's a lot it's a, a, a lot of uh, land so uh, like in order to surround that lake and like completely control into Azerbaijan you don't need to go that far okay so I, I think in that in uh, the goal of Azerbaijan is not to get that lake and fresh wa water reserve but specifically some kind of like to have to pressure our Armenia to do something. That's all. To do what? To do to all open passage, you know, through this side of Armenia to to all And I'm not saying this is the correct conclusion, but then the Armenians would draw the conclusion, we opened the corridor, and now they start claiming that territory. They're just like they claim this lake, now they'll claim that territory, you know. Unfortunately, at this point, my friend had to uh, leave the conversation. But overall, I thought it was a pretty productive, interesting, and important to have discussion between an Armenian, an Azerbaijani, discussing the news of an event that concerns both of their nations.